Hello and welcome to the first ever live Salocast. This evening I'm joined by Mike and Dave. Hi Mike, how are you doing? Hi, are you alright? Yeah, it's a bit um, weirded out by being live on the internet, but I'm sure I'll get used to it in a minute, yeah. Yeah, you never. You, when you signed up for this, I never said there'd be cameras. Um, no, so I yeah, norm- felt like I was going to wear a bag over my head or something tonight, but yeah, we'll see how it goes, <laughs> I suppose. And also, obviously, normally we do a podcast and we can edit it, so we can't hide any of those, say, in Portsmouth instead of... I don't know, Port Vale or something, we can't edit those out anymore, so yeah, see how that goes. Yeah, lots of mistakes, I'd imagine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, welcome to the podcast, Dave. How are you doing, Dave? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's good just to see Mike frantically cleaning there when, <laughs> when he realised yeah. he was on camera. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So, um, yeah, thanks, guys, for joining me this evening. So the plan for the podcast this evening is we're joined by Dave to talk about the last three games, so that's going to be really good fun, getting Dave's insight um, into some of the players. There's a couple of players still in the squad who Dave played with and also going to ask him some questions about what Steve Cottrell's like um, at halftime, losing 2-0 away at Pride Park. Maybe David gives a bit of an insight what that might be like. Um, and then we're going to talk about um, the charity game that Dave is, um, is organising and this, um, we're going to unveil a special guest and we're going to unveil that now. So Dave, you can tell us who is the, who's the guest who's going to join us later on. So very exciting. So he hasn't been announced in the charity game. So this is his unveiling that he's going to be involved. And it's one of our old captains from that promotion season from the conference, Darren Tinson. So, yeah, it's going to be fantastic having having him on. What we're going to do is we're going to cover three games and then he'll join us later on when we talk about the charity game. And if you've got any questions um, for, for Tino, please share them um, on Twitter or, or, or on YouTube. And then, yeah, we'll ask him those questions later on in the podcast. Um, so yeah, this we're going to run through the, the the three games we played in the last in the last few weeks. We've got the Wickham game, we've got the Derby game, and then we've got the Posh game to go through. Um, and it would be remiss of me not to make a little bit of a cheeky comment. So Dave, welcome onto a podcast, and the aim is for you to talk the most. Um, you're not going to get interrupted this evening. Um, so yeah, that's the plan. We're going to get here Dave's voice as much as possible um, as we go through these through these games. So now we normally go. We'll have a break and we stop and we don't we chat, but we need to crack on. So first game, um, I didn't go to this game. I was in Tromso um, on the, on my birthday celebrations, but you went to this game, Mike. Um, and it was a, a quite a rare win against Wickham Wanderers. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was way back on the 25th of Feb now. So you had to wrap the brains to remember what happened exactly. Um, but yeah, we ran out 2-0 winners against Wickham, which was... Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting it pre-match. Uh, after the Accrington game, I thought maybe the bubble had burst a little bit. We crested the wave. Um, you know, the, the small squad and the, and the tidings in the squad might be might be kicking in. Because I was at Accrington and that wasn't great, to be honest with you. Um, so it was, a, it was a really nice result. We, we picked a, a pretty strong team. I think the only changes were uh, Winchester out um, with Bayless coming in. Um, and I think Bowman came into the, to the front line. Um, but yeah, you say it was a rare win against Wickham. Um, our, our history against them is we've only won six, we've drawn 14 and lost 12. Um, but this made it actually the first time Salah have ever done the double against Wickham in a season, which, um, yeah, it's nice. And surprisingly, we've never uh, lost twice in a season to Wickham as well. So some interesting stats around Wickham. Um, and yeah, nicely unexpected result. I mean, before the match, Dave, were you, were you, do you have any thoughts about where this might go? Um, sorry, sorry, you just broke up there. Is that again? Okay, so before the match, did you have any sort of thoughts on, on the, how the result might go after yeah, Accrington well, and sort of the recent form? I, I was fascinated because being on such a good run before that Accrington game um, and then losing to a team which you would expect to be beaten, um, you just wonder what sort of character that 
Steve Cottrell's team is is made of. It's their sort of first bit of adversity in a while, but they bounce back with an amazing win because I looked at the next three games in Wickham, Derby, and then Peterborough. You think they are they are tough, but to to kick off that run of games from teams around them with a win, I think it just shows how much character and sort of desire, belief is in that squad and. It could have been quite easily for the season just to fizzle out after the Accrington game with mm. these three games coming up. But to show that sort of character, I think it, it bodes well for the future. Yeah, and I think, like you say, on the way out, I think everybody was buzzing, weren't they? I think um, well, when I came out, everybody was sort of back on the promotion bandwagon again after the, yeah. sort of the disappointment of Accrington. We were back up for it. So um, just just a quick note on this before we get into the game itself. Um, this was Town's dedicated football versus homophobia game, which is another a good cause to see the town supporting and, and putting front and centre on the match day. Um, and I think in the week leading up to, you know, Elliot Bennett was pretty um, out in the media, you know, sort of promoting the game on, on that front. And I, I, I suppose, I don't know if you've got a word on Elliot Bennett, he seems a great ambassador for the club, a great guy to have around the dressing room. And what, what's your thoughts on, on Elliot, uh, Dave? Well, I knew Elliot as a kid when he was at Wolves. He was a bit younger than me, but he was in the youth team coming through there and always got on really well with, with him, his younger brother, Kyle, as well. Um, and he was always such a, a nice, humble kid, even sort of those youth team days. He, he was really nice and then followed his career closely as he's, he's gone on and shows again a lot about his character, the way he got released from Wolves, went down lower leagues, and he's gone right the way back through, right back to the Premiership. Um, and then he's come back more local now and... He's, he comes across as as a really nice guy. I say on the occasions I've spoke to him, he's he's very professional. Everyone you speak to him who knows him knows he, he he treats football the right way. He understands it's a privilege the position he's in, and I think he showcases that within the football club. And I think as you get older, I felt it myself as I got older. You do feel a little bit more of that responsibility of being able to give back and. He knows it's not going to last forever and he's always sort of right at the front of the queue, isn't it? When when Shrewsbury Town Foundation need need things doing, need people to go and promote what they're doing, um, the amount of events you see him, see him at in and around the community, I think it says a lot about what he's like. And to have people like yeah. that in the football club is, is absolutely golden. Someone that you can lean on to act in the right way, um, be professional, but also have a little bit of heart as well in the things they do. And, and he showcased that time and time again. Yeah, he seems like a great guy. That, you know, he's, he's often subs in for captain as well sometimes. So he's obviously well respected yeah. in, the, in the club. Yeah, um, yeah. I hope we get another season out of him because I like him when he plays as well more than anything. So, yeah. um, back to the match. Wickham um, starting the match with a new manager. Um, Ainsworth's gone off to I can't remember where, but it's the end of sort QPR, of having that football, isn't it? Um, yeah. QPR, isn't it? Yeah. Good luck with that. Um, so I, I was a bit nervous that they were going to get a bit of a new manager bounce. I think the guy that's taken over. Bloomfield is it? He's a bit of a club legend. He's been around there a long time, I think. Um, so yeah, that didn't happen, luckily enough for us. Though so the new manager bank didn't really rub off. Um, but as I say, yeah, two now. I don't know if you watched the goals back, Ollie, um, after your luxury holiday. Um, the first one's a great, a great goal. I don't know if you can describe it if you've seen it on the highlights um, on the day. Yeah, it was yeah, good, good run from Sadie, and he's really. It's good to see him offering assists as well. Um, I thought saw Bowman. I don't think I'm sure if Bowman is really trying to claim this one, but yeah, it's a good run on down the right hand side. He crossed into the danger zone, and it was an own goal. Um, poor defending. Um, I'm not sure what else he made. Well, he would have done lots of things. Could have kicked it over, headed it clear, but I thought it was quite poor defending there. I suppose, I suppose Bowman left the defender a decision to make that day, didn't he? Sort of yeah. get stuck in or get out of the way. Yeah, um, it was hard to defend, sort of facing your goal a bit. Yeah, yeah. If if Bowman wasn't there, then I think it'd have been a lot simpler a situation because he knew that he was bearing down. Then that kind of panics his decision making a little bit. And it is rash, and 
he probably still shouldn't score an own goal from there. But it was it was great work from Sadie. I think the way he carries the ball and gets the team up the pitch is is excellent. He kind of I feel like this season he's played in fits and bursts. He'll, he'll have a really good spell, go quiet, then a good burst again. But more recently, he's been more consistent. I think he's kind of yeah. offers something every single game and being able to carry the team up the pitch like he does hold the ball up get himself turned I think he's, he's a massive asset especially in the absence of, of Dan Udo I think everyone was really yeah. worried when Dan got injured what direction the season might go in but to get Christian Sadian at such a young age and to do what to ha have him do what he's done um, I think we've been very fortunate in that respect but great run from him great ball and then Brian Bowman he is very good in and around the the sort of six yard box sort of 12 yards in isn't it getting on the end of things so he's in the right position at the right time but just didn't quite get the final touch but I'm sure he'll be doing his best to say it's as good as an assist yeah um I, yeah I think he went off looking to claim a bit sheepish when they pointed out his own goal I think but you never had any own goals in your career did you Dave you got any howlers you want to admit to or no, plenty of highlights, but no own goals. No own goals. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, that's pretty well yeah. done for us for a long career like yours. Actually, fair dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, so that was that was the first goal of the game, and uh, it sort of settled us down a bit. Because I think we started relatively nervy, but it was a perfect sort of Shrewsbury Town time to score at the moment. Thirty-one minutes. I think we sort of set into to, to sort of we sort of settle ourselves into the game, try and start strongly, but we're quite compact. And then over the course of first halves, we tend to open up a little bit and try and, and nick one on the break before half time. So. It seems to be the sort of the game plan at the moment under Cottrell is is sort of you know be compact, don't don't get out of the game before you you know before sort of half an hour mark. So um, it's nice to see that tactic working again. I think we've seen a lot of that recently. Um, but yeah, so after that, what not not a huge amount sort of happened in the rest of the game until late on when the other goal came and Pike gets his winner. And I don't know if you want to speak on on the turnaround in Recky or Pike Ollie a little bit first, and we, we might go to Dave on it as well. I think when he started a couple of years ago now, wasn't it? He was in and out of the team and he was young and he seemed very raw. He came in under Ricketts, I think, didn't he? So yeah, he did. You might have overlapped him, Dave. Um, but he's become a very reliable player off, off the bench and starting towards the end of the season. I think he's really turned a lot of town fans around. Did you play with um, Raquel Pike? There's a f only a few players, isn't there? You've got a doe. Um, and yeah, there's not many players that, that Pennington overlapped your time as well, didn't you, Dave? Yeah. Yeah, with Ricky, yeah, yeah, played with Ricky. Yeah, so he, he's he's a great lad, and say so I'm a I'm a keen listener of your podcast. So I, I know he's not always been sort of top of the fans' favourite list, and he, he really struggles in those first couple of seasons, really. And again, I, I've talked about character of this Shrewsbury squad for Ricky to go out on loan to Scunthorpe, which looked like it was the the end of him. Really, um, you'd be very surprised if he'd have said he'd come back and played again, let alone had the impact he's had at Shrewsbury. Um, I think that shows a lot about him, and I think what the manager does like is people who apply themselves and that's one thing Ricky always did in training he's, he's a hard worker he's a he's a really good professional and I think Steve Koch will give you the benefit of the doubt and he'll give you chances whereas if he sees another trait in you you might get one chance then that's it and then you'll, you'll see the back of you but people who are willing to put it in for the football club then he will back you um, one thing with Rick I think he was very unlucky when he first came I think it was just one of the first games of season pre-season he injured his quad quite bad and he was out for three or four months of it I think that really knocked his confidence a little bit because he did actually have a good preseason that first first time he was in under Sam, but yeah, it just didn't quite work for him. But he's such a nice kid. I'm delighted that he's bounced back, and all of a sudden he's put himself in in a good position now. Hopefully, he's he's in Steve Cottrell's plans in the future, and he can stay at Shrewsbury. But for his own career, even if his future isn't at Shrewsbury, he's done enough recently to get himself a good move as well. Which, when you play in League One, League Two football, that that's so important that you 
have got another two-year contract somewhere. And I'm sure what Ricky's done, if it's not at Shrewsbury, then he's, he's got himself another move. Yeah, I, I think sitting he's... in the stands, it's a, it's, a, it's a good bellwether for how players are doing. You can see the reaction to them coming on on things. And you know, I remember the days of you know people sort of moaning and rolling their eyes when Pike comes on. And now people are calling for Pike to come on. If the game's not going our way, they'll be saying, we need to get Pike on here and inject the pace. And when he's starting, you know, you're expecting him to sort of impact the game because he's ever so quick, isn't he? And, and skillful and, and his goal that he scores, you know, he's got the he's got the he's got the sense of mind to, to break the line when the pass comes through. He's composed enough to take the first shot, but he's also composed enough to be aware for the for the second chance and to put it away. So um yeah, I think a real improvement in him. I I'm really impressed with him to be fair. And, and I would be more than happy for us to give him another deal, which is light years away from about eighteen months ago, in my opinion on him. So, you know, football fans are fickle and we're not always right, I think is the uh, the answer on that one. Um but yeah, he'd only been on 90 seconds as well. So fair play, he was he comes on switched on, doesn't he? I think Cottrell gets him quite well drilled and quite ready to come on. There's always lots of notes being passed and pitches being drawn before the subs come on. Do, do subs take much notice of that when they come on, Dave, when they're getting detailed instruction with 10 minutes to go? Is is it a bit of a game for the manager or? You, you, you definitely are. If it's one that up with 10 minutes to go, you're making sure you don't miss anything. And it's yeah. never a nice time to come on as a player because I know Ricky's come on and, and got a little bit of glory, but most 99% of the time, not a lot of good can come from your performance in terms of this. If you come on and it stays 1-0, then great. But no one's going to talk about your impact coming on. But if you come on and all of a sudden you, you draw the game or lose the game, then all of a sudden people are looking at you. It was a bad change, but... From from playing on Steve Koch, I do know as a sub, he likes you to be absolutely firing before you come on. So he'll be watching you warm up, even if it's out the corner of his eye. And if he doesn't think you're sprinting enough, he gives an evil look to the to the fitness coach says, get him warm now, because he better be up to speed. So he, yeah. I remember I was obviously on the bench quite a bit under Steve Koch and used as a bit of a an impact substitution whether we needed a goal or we need to see a game out. Just to head the ball in both boxes, really, and a bit of experience. So I, I came on the last 10 minutes quite a lot. When, when I was playing under Steve Cottrell and he would say he would really put you through your paces before you come on and then he would be checking as you're taking your bib off and stuff. You definitely warm, you definitely want go on, go and do one more run for me. Do another run for me. Ah, good on him. So you have to be up to speed. Um That's yeah, good. and there's there's no hiding as well. Yeah. He looks like a man who would get you going. He looks like a man you don't want to cross. That's Steve Cottrell. Definitely not. Um <laughs> but um yeah so a bit of a whistle stop tour of this game with all the other stuff we've got to discuss. But um I, th I think overall my my takeaway from it as we walked out was it was a very convincing performance um Wickham seemed a bit flat really I thought on the day I thought maybe maybe the new manager maybe something like that but for a team who were right around us um bit of a you know playoff push six pointer for them to sort of turn up and not really trouble us a huge amount they had a couple of chances but I, I don't remember feeling under a huge amount of pressure from them um I think it was credit to to, to probably Steve Cottrell's had the team prepped right for it and and picked the right tactic and and seen it out in the right way. So it was it was back on the promotion bandwagon after the game. Um, and everybody on the way out was talking about Marco Morosi, an absolutely world-class save um, at one point due from a, from a free kick. It looked like it would come in for a cross, but was ended up being a direct shot. I think, you, have you seen that one back, Ollie? I didn't see that one, to be honest, mate. I only saw the goals. You haven't? Oh, mate, the, I don't know if you saw it, Dave. He's, he yeah, basically the the scooped it back out the corner, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, the athleticism to kind of, you get so much leap, doesn't he? He's almost at the ball um, with a yes. lot of saves before it's really there. So it makes it look a little bit more simpler, not this save, but in general, because his, his athleticism is so good that you get so much height of his jumps. But he's been a bit of a revelation, hasn't he, of his shot stopping um, Absolutely. since the team. And I know the manager is really keen to get a, a number one in and he's come in and been, been terrific. Yeah, what's your um, view uh, on having different keepers, Dave? We've obviously we've had a good history, haven't we, with Sarsovic and Dean Henderson. 
and then having Mar- um, then having uh, Marco Morosi now. Uh, do you think there's much difference between having your own goalkeeper and a goalkeeper on loan? Obviously, there's the risk they could disappear any like uh, in January. Yeah, it's well, you do like the consistency of of especially at the the back line, knowing who's behind you. So if you're a centre back and having a consistent goalkeeper, that helps. But then if there is a goalkeeper that is that good, the likes of Dean Henderson, the likes of Max O'Leary came, who's playing regularly at Bristol City now, and then uh, Matty Sarkic at Wolves, um, then you've got to take those opportunities as well. But I think we, we're lucky now. I think we've got a championship goalkeeper in League One. I think I think he is that Marco Morosi. So it's good to have that consistency. And you can tell that with the, the back three, how comfortable everyone looks. They all seem to be on the same page. And being able to play together every week makes a huge difference. Yeah, and I, th- I think it, it, it backed that up again in the Derby game. I think you'll probably cover that save as well, Ollie, because arguably I think it was even better than the one in the in the Wickham game. Um, so, yeah, he was playing really well. And I think his kicking's improved a lot, actually, as well, um, over the course of the season. That was one of the grumbles people had with him. He's even sharpened that up. So I think all round an excellent number one. Like you say, probably, yeah, championship level if he keeps those sort of um, those sort of standards up. And also, just sort of a quick note, which some which a lot of people have commented on in the week, is the town did a... They've got their own podcast. Is the town's on the Coracle? It might be a BBC one. And they had an interview with Morosi on it, and he's got a really broad sort of Yorkshire accent, which I didn't expect from him, to be honest with you. I thought he might have, you know, from his name, might have some sort of Eastern European accent. But, um, yeah, through a few people. So, I think, yeah, when, when he's barking that out and he's communicating in the box as well, you've got to put that in the Yorkshire accent now, I think. But, um, yeah, excellent performance. I think the town did exactly what they need to do, very professional. Um, I don't think you can say much more than that. Um, and that probably... That probably leads us on to the Derby game, really, which um, I think you're going to take us through, Ollie, aren't you? Because I was on a yeah. stag do in Lisbon, so I saw bits of it, let's say, on a phone screen. <laughs> so I might be a bit more quiet during this one. You might have to take this one off. Yeah, it was a good one. It was a part of my um, 40th birthday celebrations. I had an amazing day. I, I went go-karting in the morning. I went to a really cool like, um, chicken place in Birmingham called Bonehead, had a couple of beers, got the train to um, Derby. Didn't enjoy the first half as much. But the second half was fantastic, and yeah, it was a, a very, very good day, a good, a good classic away day out, and um, yeah, it was a obviously a big, big game for Shrewsbury Town, taking a lot of fans to arguably the probably the best stadium in the division in terms of size, um, in terms of how new it is. Uh, so yeah, good, a, a big day out for Shrewsbury. Um, in terms of the team, it was the same team that started against Wickham. That's something that obviously we know Steve Cotter loves. He loves to play the same team if he can. Um, and the last time we played Derby away in the league, um, I'm not sure if you were actually born yet, Dave. It was um, 14th of March, 1987. So maybe just sneak in. Just, um, just, just over just a year the, old. Just a year old. Um, sadly, we lost 3-1 that day. Um, but yeah, it's quite a while ago since we played them in the league. Obviously, we played them quite a bit actually in the 80s, obviously, when we were in the championship. And the first half, I think it's fair to say it was a quite a poor first half from a Shrewsbury Town point of view. I don't know if it was, I couldn't figure out at the time, was it Derby just being really, really good and had some quality players? Or or was it that we were maybe showing them too much respect? Um, because it wasn't like Derby were doing anything particularly special, um, but they do have some special players. So the first goal from Roberts, a screamer by the fullback from long range, was an absolutely amazing shot. Um, and then McGoldrick got in and scored in the box. And I have to say, a lot of huge time fans are talking about McGoldrick, Dave, and uh, for, for his his ability in League One, that's um, that's quite a player for Derby. He certainly is. He's um, he's their talisman as well this year. I actually did the commentary of Plymouth and Derby on Tuesday night, so I was down there watching him. Um, 
I had a little chat with him before the game, actually, and I was talking about the Shrewsbury game with him. Um, and he was really impressed with, with how Shrewsbury played. But he's he's a terrific player. He's like a bit of an all-round striker in the way that he's very good at linking play. He sort of drops into pockets of space and that allows runners to go behind him. And then he's obviously got the vision then to play it first time to the more he can get on the half turn and run. Then also, especially more in this league, I would say, than the championship, because I think championship tends to be a little bit more athletic. But in League One, he seems to get in behind quite a lot as well. I think that's more because the first few yards are in his head. So he's already sees that he's whatever. They've got a lot of good midfielders, Derby. So he's got a good relationship with them. But whenever they pick up the ball, he must know that, right, I'm on my way here. So he might take one step forward, drag the defender with him, and then he's gone. And he seems to have like five yards on someone whenever he's through. And they obviously catch him up because he's not quite as quick as them with his with his age. But he is he's, he's top level for League One. He really is. And then he's, he's scoring a lot of goals, especially at home as well. Um, I must say the goal against the town, it was a little bit, disappointing I would say from Shrewsbury's point of view it was he did look like to, he got in a little bit too easy um, but he had he had a good chance a little bit earlier didn't he as well of a header yeah um, but his all-round game is is excellent he's uh yeah he's got one of the better players in the league that's for sure yeah he's a quality player he scored quite a few hat-tricks this season as well and I'm not sure his contact situation but obviously Derby can play good wages with their with their income and their, their, their large fan base but yeah he's a, a fantastic player and yeah interesting at half time and you know you can maybe take us into the dressing room, Dave. For, you know, you've been you played for Steve Cottrell for a while. What? How would a Steve Cottrell handle handle? Do you think being obviously you can only assume two nil down at way at Pride at, at Pride Park against Derby? How would you? How do you think Steve Cottrell would handle that? He would definitely still be methodical about it. When you don't perform well, he will read you the right act. He's got that. Um, that sort of respect in the dressing room and almost an intimidation as well, but in, in a good way. So you know that you can't drop your levels. And if you do, you're going to know about it. So first and foremost, the lads who maybe weren't up to scratch, you would have let know about it. But at the same time, it's it'd be knowing how well Derby played and maybe weren't quite set up right. He made a lot of changes at halftime in the way we played, not just personnel. So he might have thought, well, maybe I haven't given the best shape to go out with and it hasn't quite worked for whatever reason. There's, there's numerous reasons why that happens in a football pitch. It's not someone not trying. And especially with this Shrewsbury team, it's just a little bit of bad luck on the day. And it really reminds me of a game where when he first came in, he had that, that winning run, if you remember, where we beat Hull and we beat someone else. And then we went to Doncaster. And, um, Lincoln as well, wasn't it? Away Lincoln, that's right, yeah. We went to Doncaster away and I started that game, but we got absolutely popped in the first half. Like they were they were high and flying at the time and they were far superior to us. We couldn't get near them near them all. I remember I was kind of playing as a number 10 and like I was just kind of, I was always five, 10 yards away from the ball. I'd be chasing here, chasing it there and probably a little bit with me getting older, but then just as a team, we weren't close enough. So luckily we were nil-nil at halftime, whereas we were 2-0 down against Derby. But at halftime, again, he didn't go mad. He just said like, we're, we're not doing well. We'll make some changes. And he brought me off. I was the one player who came off. And obviously, it's never nice to be hooked at half time. I was maybe a little bit relieved at that point because I was running around like uh, not knowing quite where to go and I couldn't get near anyone. But he pulled me at half time. Um, and obviously, he made the same decision on on Saturday against Derby and, and it worked. But I remember after all the lads went out for half time, he kind of waited in the dressing room. And you're always not sulking when you get brought off, but you've obviously got to have your shower and stuff. So you're just a bit disappointed by the games where B come and sat next to me and chatted me through and was like, look, it's nothing personal. I've got to do it for these reasons. Gave me the reasons and was like, he, he's a really good man managing that way. He kind of has, your, has his arm around me and says like, it's nothing to do with you and we need you. We're going to need you next week. All these sorts of things to keep everyone on side. 
Um, but then we went out second half and we played really well. We scored a goal quite early. We won 1-0 and his decision changed the game. And that's what he's very good at, those in-game decisions. And he obviously did that on Saturday. I've said a few times, I think he's been unlucky in this first couple of years. That he maybe hasn't had the squad to make those changes from the bench. You look early on in the season in particular, it was full of kids and he's probably looking behind thinking, I haven't really got anyone who can impact it. Whereas now he's got a fuller squad a lot, probably three or four players on the bench who should be possibly starting and he can change it in a round, he can rotate. So he knows he can make a change to really affect it and he, he does that so well. So if a change of shape, two substitutions, Shrewsbury really had Derby rattled in that second half, didn't they? And he, he'll be probably be disappointed they didn't go on to get the three points, even though Morosi made a great save at the end. Um, that was a brilliant second half performance. Yeah, it really was a, a brilliant second half performance. So in terms of changes, he brought on Winchester, um, which... Given Derby and we were going to be out of possession a bit, I thought maybe his energy was a bit missing a bit, I think, in the centre of the park. So that wasn't too... But then I was surprised we brought on Pike and we actually changed formation. He's done this a few times. I've said this on the podcast quite a few times. I think Steve Cottrell is probably the best tactical manager I've seen um, in the... Definitely in the spell of doing the podcast, but even going back then, he's, as you say, Dave, he makes changes and it must be really... I'll ask you a question. It must be really... I don't know, give you a lot of faith in the manager when he makes changes and then it works. And that must help the dressing room and kind of the faith in the manager. Yeah, it, it definitely builds confidence. But also knowing that he, when the game's run away from you on the pitch, sometimes when you're in the, the middle of the battle and it's that frantic around you, it's hard for you to take in what's happening around you in terms of the tactical things. If they're, if they're maybe playing something slightly different or they're not quite lining up how they expect you to or someone's doing just something, these little things differently. In a player, um, as being a player, it's so hard to gauge that in an instant on the pitch to make changes. So when you've got the manager on the side, you know will recognise that and he will change accordingly. I think that does give you a lot more belief and confidence that, right, we're under the cosh a little bit now, but the manager will sort it in a minute. He'll see what's happening and we, it might mean that we have to drop a player back. It might mean that we have to change formation slightly or if we can get into half time, we know we'll, know we'll sort it. And that really does boost you as a player, confidence-wise. Um and it is, it's surprising the impact it actually does have on a, on a group or the 11 that are starting, knowing that you've almost got a 12 man on the side who's there helping you out. Yeah, and he and definitely it, sorry, did this on the weekend. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. just thinking about that, is it is it sort of is it mostly on Cottrell? Because he seems to work as a real good team with the backroom staff there as well. Are they all sort of looking out for individual things and feeding into Cottrell to make those decisions? Is it is it a team effort or is he sort of a, a man alone with that? How does he sort of manage that side of it? I think he's very much alone in terms of his decision is his whatever he thinks he'll he'll take the opinions from everyone else but if he's seeing something different he'll go with that it's like his knowledge of the game but he definitely takes in all the advice so he'll have the analysts up in the stand he'll have Davy um Davy a lot Davy Long well so, uh, alongside him who will be able to look at the game as a whole then obviously Alby with the experience of only just finishing playing as well he'll take it all on board definitely but. If he, if he's quite, he'll be quite stubborn with his own opinion, but nine times out of ten, he's right. So mm -hmm. having that, having that conviction in what you think's right, I think um, is a good trait of his. And as I say, he doesn't get it wrong very often. Okay. Yeah, no, he's, he's he's definitely good at, at changing the game, and he did it here. So delightful ball over the top. I think I come over with some Leahy or, or, or Bayless in the game, and Pike was in. I think that was one of the tactics he obviously noticed was to get in behind them. Their fullbacks obviously pushing up and using Pike's pace. Um, I generally, and I don't, I'm not saying this just to kind of try and take the piss, but I generally don't think that Derby centre-backs won a tackle all game. 
They were just it was a, it was a really really poor performance by their centre backs. I'm sure Paul Wern wasn't very impressed. So one of their centre backs fouled Pike, got booked, and then a fantastic free kick from Bayless. I think it went through the wall. So I'm sure Paul Wern wouldn't really be happy with that. But an absolutely superb free kick. Um, the goalkeeper goes down. Um, I think he did hit the post, but I think he. I think they took a bit longer maybe than was necessary to try and kind of, you know, kind of stop our momentum. Because at this point, we'd absolutely blown them away. Change formation, playing change tempo, and Shrewsbury Town were playing like a completely different side. And then, Paul Warren, Sorry, Paul Warren would have been very annoyed with his wall, though, yeah. as well. Like, yeah. the kind of, if you look at it from the angle behind the goal, there's two of them turn opposite ways and it just leaves a gap where it just flies through. And that's that's a that's a sin as a footballer. If you don't just stand there and take it, take one in the face or in the chest or whatever, as soon as you turn, remember Jay Boffroy did it under Mick McCarthy at Wolves. Oh, he got absolutely slaughtered after that. <laughs> yeah, I get the sense Paul Warns um, is quite, a bit like Steve Cottrell, very good at picking up on the, well, most managers are picking up the details. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Paul Wern uh, does for them next season. But um, And then if Shrewsbury Town continued to dominate the half, um, we had a chance from a corner, another Pennington header, straight at the goalkeeper saved. Um, and I can't remember if this was before goal or after the goal, um, but Sadie had a chance as well where he got in the box. Um, he just basically just completely out-muscled their centre-back and got in and had a shot, but it was saved by the goalkeeper's feet. And then there was a shove in the back. There was quite a lot of contention among Derby fans about this, but if you push someone in the back, it's it's a rather stupid thing to do. Um, we won the um, won the penalty. Um, fair play to the referee who wasn't intimidated by the large crowd. Um, and yeah, definitely going to get you trying bring your insight onto this. I thought it was fascinating. A lot of Shrewsbury fans have pointed this out to me. Um, but I noted at the game that Sadie was holding the ball, and all the Derby um, players are all chatting in his ear, and Luke Leahy's just standing back, you know, just taking it all in, being composed. Um, all the Derby players are all chatting shit mm -hmm. in um, Sadie's ear. And then he just pops the ball to Leahy and Leahy scores his ninth penalty in a row for Shrewsbury, which is a fantastic record. And and we, we often, you know, Shrewsbury fans, we talk about Steve Cottrell and we kind of, we praise his attention to detail. That's the impression we get. And is that the kind of thing that you, doesn't surprise you from Steve Cottrell and his staff? Yeah, that'll definitely be from the manager. Definitely. He'll have he'll have set that up if if there's a contentious penalty or, or there's time over it, he'd have definitely said to one of some one of the other lads, pick up the ball like you're taking it, just to take any pressure off off Luke Lee. Not that even if they had 10 players around Luke Lee, I'd still expect him to score, but just the mind games working. There's loads of things which I, I can't say because obviously he's want to give away the tricks of the trade, which Steve Cottrell does, but some of the stuff you work on in trading just for those one percent gains whether if it's getting in a better position somewhere or affecting the game, just in these little percentage, he'll do it. Um, just old tricks of the trade. So that doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, but what, what a cross as well by Sadie and the, mm. for the penalty as well. And then once, as soon as the Derby defender gets his arms out in front of him, it, it's a penalty. I listened to the press conference after the game and a few of them were saying they thought it was, it was tough. And in my, my preparation for the commentary I did on Tuesday for Plymouth and Derby, I was listening to a few of their fan podcasts, Derby, and they were all saying, all the fans saying, never a penalty. It's so harsh. But I'm thinking as soon as you get your arms straight, it's obviously that, obviously the fan bias. But yeah, as soon as you feel that contact, you go down. Did make a meal of it, but time well deserved to get back back level. And I think you said Sadie had that chance just after, didn't he, as well, which yeah, he could did. have taken the game away. Yeah, we could easily. So that, that the Pennington header was in the six-yard box. It was a really, really good opportunity. Another good set piece. And yeah, Leahy and Pennington, I don't know whether they spend a lot of time practicing, but he finds him so often. Virtually every game from a corner, Pennington will have a header on goal. 
And so, yeah, and, you know, we always try to be honest on this podcast. And I generally think we could have been leading before the Murray save. And then the Murray, then Derby, Derby weren't even in in the in the in the second half at all until the last 10 minutes. Um, they were doing a lot of time wasting. They time waste um, in between when we took the penalties, well, as you were saying, with Sadie holding the ball for a while. A lot of time wasting from Derby. And then, um, yeah, a good opportunity for Derby, but another fantastic save by Morosi. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how I'd total it up, but I'm sure Morosi's earned us at least six, nine points, probably maybe more with some of the saves that he's made. And he's been absolutely a fantastic servant. So, yeah, uh, fantastic uh, result in the end. A point, well-deserved, I think. Um, and, yeah, we went out of this game with another point. And, yeah, a point against a team, obviously, of Derby's size and kind of obviously they've got ambitions to be in the playoffs. Not a bad result at all. Um, any comments on this game, guys, before we move on? I just say, like like you said, it, uh, again, against a, a sort of what we consider at the moment, weirdly, a promotion playoff rival. Um, to turn it around like we did have 2-0 down, I thought, yeah, it was, again, excellent from Cottrell. Um, and just to say, there was a little part of Portugal going crazy when that penalty went in, a little part of Lisbon. We were going, we were absolutely on, we were on the chairs and the tables. The locals didn't know what was going on. Um, it was a real shame we didn't get the winner because a couple of them late chances as well. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was good sort of like classic when you're away but watching the town, you know, streaming them somewhere. It's it's, it's quite a memorable occasion. But um, we were all gutted not to be in the stadium because the fans looked like they were on top form. Oh. Two and a half over two and a half thousand is two and mad, and a, about, yeah. about two and a half thousand. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. I like those kind of away days. I've um, done a f- I did recorded a few clips um, for the podcast going forward. I'd like to use chance on the podcast and. Yeah, Shooter Town fans are in really good voice. I don't know if you, I don't know if you've seen this, Dave, but there's this fantastic video doing the rounds on Twitter of Busy holding a salad um, scarf and just staring at the Derby fans after he scored the second goal. Yeah, the club <laughs> even um, Dylan Dylan from the club even put it onto TikTok as well, um, and it's just brilliant. Busy's just staring, staring at them as we. Oh, they're all because all their all their hardcore fans are near the um, Shooter Town fans, um, and they're going. They were fuming, and, and also the comments. From the video clip are brilliant because they're just fuming that they scored. And um, we're obviously little Shrewsbury have scored against them. Also, we don't have a right to score against a team the size of Derby. So that was good fun. Busy's finally gone viral. He's finally done it. <laughs> we knew it happened eventually. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. I'll really, have to really find good. that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, send, I'll send you the link. They are fine. Yeah. I'll send it to you. It's really good. It's really good to see, especially the comments from the Derby fans chuntering to themselves as we get the equaliser. Um, we're, we're running out of time. So we want to make sure we keep time for our, our, our guest. And, and it's a defeat. Um, so we lost 2-1 at um, Peterborough United. Um, so, yeah, with our new style podcast, we don't spend as much time on defeats because um, who, who, yeah, it doesn't matter, does it? We lost. Um, it was way, way to Peterborough, um, another team um, in a um, promotion and run. Um, I'm going to have to ask you this, Dave. Isn't it quite strange how Peterborough only seems to have two managers and they just seem to cycle them back all the time? Yeah. <laughs> how, I actually how, saw how, how that cope? How how would that go down in the dressing room? Like, like would that be just I don't know? Is it just people are fans? The players are used to it now, but I think I don't know how many times Ferguson's been at, at posh now. It's more than yeah. three times. Yeah, I'm I'm not quite sure. I've never been in that situation before where an old manager's come back in. But yeah, they must be used. It's all right if you're one of his favourites, I suppose. But if he's someone who's left you out of the team and you see him coming <laughs> back, that's a bit more of a cause of concern. But I, yeah. I actually saw Darren Ferguson at a Shrewsbury match um, a few months ago before he went back in. And I was chatting to him. He was kind of sat behind the tunnel there. Because um, actually, when I met 
Darren Ferguson once um, when he was at Peterborough before about is when my contract finished at Shrewsbury the um, when I left when I was a 21 year old um, I actually went and met Darren Ferguson and he, he was a nice guy but they were in League 2 at the time I kind of wanted to make the next step up if I could but I had a good chat with him and he didn't let me forget that I turned him down but he was saying he was desperate to get back into the game I was kind of saying oh you must be enjoying the break and he was like no I hate it I just want to get back in as soon as possible so it's no surprise that he's he's gone back there he only, has, to, he only ever has to wait a couple of years. He always gets back in, so you know. Yeah, he he's does. Never really going to be in the game for long, is he? Well, Italian clubs always keep their managers under contract, don't they? Because they don't pay them off. So I don't wonder if he's just got a full time contract all the time, and he just yeah, he's always ready to come back. Um, but on this game, so um, unsurprisingly, um, obviously we played quite a few games recently. Um, Shrewsbury Town um, played a different team actually, and a different setup as well. We actually started with a back four, which is quite rare for Steve Pottrell. Um, so Moore was playing um, at left back, Pennington, Dunkley, Fanningham in the back line. Um, Pike, it took me a while to figure out what was going on, to be honest, in terms of formation. I couldn't quite figure it out because Pike, the enigma that he is, he could be playing in any about five positions and we're not sure where he's going to be. So we actually play, I think I'd put this down as like a 4 4 1 1 um, with Sadie and Baylor's playing as a 10 with Winchester and, Le- um, and Bloxham playing oddly on the left wing. So obviously, one of those players coming in, cutting in. Um, so I thought it was interesting. We'll go through this game very, very quickly. Um, a free kick um, scored by Peterborough. Um, poor defending from a Shrewsbury Town point of view. I'm sure Steve Cottrell won't be happy watching that one back. Um, and then talking of um, Steve Cottrell and his you know, preparing for games, this is one of the best set-piece goals I've seen for a while. So a free kick um, quite deep, really, near the halfway line. Cut, um, put into the box. Dunkley wins the header. And Flanagan, first goal of the season with like a scissor kick half volley into the back of the net. I think he even cut, kissed the crossbar. Amazing goal, Mike. An amazing, amazing strike. Yeah. But, and like you say, we're sort of, um, I think I messaged you straight after the goal. You know, we're set piece machines at the moment. The last three goals, you know, the penalty, the free kick from Bayless, this one as well, clearly off the training ground. And that strike from Flanagan's unreal. You know, he'll, be, he'll probably have that playing on a loop in his house on some sort of video screen for the rest of his life. It's a, it's a great strike. And, to come back and score it so quickly after going uh, one down as well, it, you know, shows that we don't panic as a team now. Steve's got us really drilled and uh, they know the job should to go back in and get after it. So, yeah, it kind of, um, it, you know, we weren't down for long, which is really good. But yeah, and a lovely goal to set us back up for the rest of the game. Yeah, a really nice goal. And, and I imagine, um, Dave, this is something that the, the team practice a lot. I imagine for most games, they'll have do some set piece work. Yeah, sort of even the back-to-back games, yeah, that is the the one constant in a Steve Cottrell uh, training session leading up to games is that you'll go through all set pieces and he is um, very, very intense in that, which is good because you, everyone knows their jobs inside out, kind of working on goal kicks, throw-ins, free kicks and every single third, defensive third, midfield third, attacking third, out wide, round the box, absolutely everything, different corner variations. So, yeah, he's so meticulous, and I think that that shows, doesn't it, on a match day? I think we're both yeah. in, in good, but in, good in both boxes, both defensively and attacking. Um, I do, I do think he'd be a little bit disappointed with the the goals they conceded against Peterborough. I thought the the first goal we dropped deep very, very quickly. You look where he, the guy scored from; he's he's probably on the edge of the six yard box, and it was a whipped in free kick. I feel like if they would have held their line a little bit on the edge of the box, it maybe would have given Morosi a bit more space to maybe come and get it because the ball landed say not not too far from a six yard box so yeah. maybe a little bit too deep and the second goal the late one on it's not very often we lose two first contacts on the bounce so we didn't win the first one we didn't win the second one that's that's very unlike this Shrewsbury team so 
um, as much as we probably deserved at least a draw at the game. Um, mm. Like so many games in this league, it's it's fine margins and it's set pieces, isn't it? And unfortunately, we were on the wrong end of them this time. Yeah, it was all three goals were set pieces, actually. Um, and yeah, it'd be frustrating and um, frustrating um, to see. Um, just talking about kind of like tactics and, and Steve Cottrell, from obviously, you know, we've been in our third season, not full season, but third season of Steve Cottrell. Um, have you seen quite an evolution in the style of play? From a as a as a casual fan, you know, not casual fan, but as, you know, a fan, a normal fan going to the game, you see a shooter town playing, you know, kind of defensive character attacking football. But would you say that the style of play has evolved quite a bit, Dave, or or not? Or what's your kind yeah, of view I, with Shrewsbury? I, I think it's I think it's got better, um, definitely. I think that's more of a realization to the manager of what he's got available to him. Because if you look at his Bristol City team, which was his really successful one, is they played three five two. They were they. They counted so quickly, but they also kept the ball really well because they had they're good players, especially in League One. They had some of the best players in the division. And he took over when they were like in the relegation zone. And then they got close to the playoffs that one season, I think. And then they got promoted the following season. Um, and they were dominating the league. And I think he would like to do that with Shrewsbury, but it's it's difficult because the resources the football club has, he he probably can't go out and get the the best technical players in the division. But what he has done is he's improved. I think every every sort of transfer window, every season, he's got better people inside the football club from a playing point of view, um, both characters and for um, ability-wise as well. And I think it's you can kind of slowly see it just getting better and better, so almost like month on month with the more and more experience the lads are getting. But I think he realises that for Shrewsbury to, success, to be successful, we're going to have to be a more defensive team. Probably not what he wants to do, but working with what you've got and not trying to be something you're you're not capable of, I think is probably a good strength of his. If he tries to go out and play total football, which I think he would like to play a lot more football, but if you haven't got the players to do it or you can't afford the players to do it, then that, that makes it very, very difficult. So realising you need to be defensive and if he do, does need to be defensive, then how do we still carry a, an attack? How do we still carry um, that threat that threat at the other end? And that's through counter-attacking football, sort of having players in the middle of the pitch, being very, very good on set pieces. Um, and I think with what he's got available to him at the moment, he's doing an, an incredible job at still being able to score goals at the other end whilst not giving up too much space at the other. So it's it's a, it's a very fine balance. And I, I know for a fact he would like to play more football or be able to do more with him. But obviously that realisation of the players you've got to work with, um, I think more than anything in this Shrewsbury squad, he's had to get good characters in as well because that'll take you a long way in this league, getting people who who are all fighting for the same cause. And he's, he spoke about it loads in the press recently when I've been listening to his interviews, how good that dressing room is and how much they play for each other. And I think that's evident. And I think that's why the, the relationship with the fans is so good because they see yeah. 11 lads, 14 lads when the subs come on who are absolutely giving their all. And that's why the football club, I think, is all moving in a good direction at the moment. It's the closest in spirit to that Paul Hurst season, I think, that squad it was really Definitely. together. And this is as close as we've got. And it's no surprise it's, it's you know, nearly as good as that season's been going. So... He's done a great job on that. Yeah, they look like a great bunch of lads, I think. I would say this squad is probably in some ways even closer to the fans because that season was just kind of, you know, crazy. We won so many games. But yeah, there seems to be a genuine connection and also there seems to be a great connection. I always find it interesting to see how the subs celebrate and mm. uh, how to celebrate with the players. And in front of the, the South Sand, the, the, the subs have been going crazy. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good to see. Kind of drawing this section to a close, and we've got a question from Gareth um, and... Um, yeah, Mike and Dave, you can answer this. Do you still think Shrews, you've got a chance of getting the playoffs? 
Do you want to go first, Dave? Yeah, you go first. You can give the really insightful answer, and then I'll go, yeah, what he said. He knows nothing. Um, There's always a chance, isn't there? But I think it's it's, it's a long shot, and that's not just from the result against Peterborough. I think leading into the recent weeks, as well as Tyner being doing this, still being a decent-sized gap into that top six, and there's games in hand, and you look at the the clubs above Tyner and the resources they have, it would be a huge task to break into it. It really would, but... Anywhere in that top half is a huge success for Shrewsbury because, as I keep saying, you look at the resource of the football club, we're, we're fighting above ourselves there massively anyway. And all you want, I think, as a football fan is progression year on year. And I think that's what we're getting at the moment. And as good as this season's been, it'll be interesting to see how it goes next year because it's going to be it's hard to top and to keep that progression going. But I think, realistically, it's, it's, it's a step too far. But... That shouldn't dishearten fans. I think finishing in that top half of the table is a huge achievement and it should be celebrated. And yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think that the running looks very difficult. The teams that we've got left to play are, are high in the league and they're pushing on as well. So each match is going to be, there doesn't seem to be any dead rubbers left in it, really. Um, but yeah, you know, as a part of you thinks, as a Shubri fan, you don't want to go back to Wembley anyway. And we're not getting promoted automatically. So you may as well miss out on it. And the other thing is, if we actually did accidentally go up, God, what on, what on earth would happen to us next season? I, I, I shudder to think how we'd get on. But um, yeah, I think we'll leave that one for another day. I think we'll, we'll just about miss out this year and give us something to build on for next year, which I'm more than happy with. You know, I was expecting an 18th, 19th again. So yeah, it's been a, a, it's been a very positive season in my view, I think, so far. Yeah, it's been a great season so far. Very enjoyable, uh, especially that run we had of six games in a row. Um, which was fantastic. And yeah, if we can do progression again and can sign more players, which is going to be the challenge to keep in building on, definitely, as Dave said, we've definitely built an added quality of the squad. Uh, but yeah, it'd be interesting to, see what, see, interesting to see what we do in the summer. And also there's quite a few players out of contract. So yeah, that's something to look forward to in the summer. So hopefully we can keep some of these some of these players. So drawing the, these three games to a, to a close, we're going to welcome our, our special guest uh, to the podcast. Hi, Darren, how you doing? How you doing? You okay? I'm down. So, right. so brilliant. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for, for coming and joining us. And um, yeah, Dave, you want to um, maybe do a bit of an introduction to what's going on with it? I'm sure most Judy Town fans have heard um, and Wolves fans um, listening to this have heard what's going on. You're trying to maybe you can just give it a bit of an introduction and, and yeah, and say why and explain why Darren's on the podcast. Yeah, so I'm sure most people have heard, but I've got a, a charity game coming up on the 26th of March, which is two weeks on Sunday. And it's between two of my old clubs, Shrewsbury, obviously, and, and Wolves. And it's players that have, I've played with at both clubs that are going to be on the 11th. We've got two great teams involved. Um, but most importantly, it's it's raising money for Little Rascals Foundation, which is a charity I'm sort of founded and I'm trustee of, which helps children with disabilities sort of in the local area. And like with COVID and, and things like that, it's been a tough couple of years, but we're this sort of the money we can raise can make a real difference. In particular, we're trying to build a sensory room at, our, at one of our centres and we think this can go a long way to doing that. So hopefully we can do that. And obviously Shrewsbury Town Foundation, which you guys all know, they do amazing work in the community and they're going to put all the money they raise towards their disability provision as well. So two amazing courses, uh, courses but it's going to be a great occasion for fans, Shrewsbury fans to come along and see some of their old heroes and Wolves fans can do the same. And when you get players like Tino playing and say they're all household names to the fans. So it's, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. I'm sure there'll be loads of deep heat flying around that dressing room to make sure they can still go. But 
um, a pleasure. And it's great to announce that that Tino's playing. He's one of the players which hasn't been announced yet, so I've been able to do it on here as well and for him to give up his time, not only to come and play, but tonight. I really appreciate it. And he still looks well, doesn't he, lads? <laughs> I don't, I don't know whether I'd like on the actual football pitch, though, Dave. Uh, I've not kicked the ball for about 12 months. Yeah. You'll be all right, mate. You'll be all right. Yeah. Do, you, do you still play football if when you get the chance? No, no. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. Um, but uh, age catches up with you. Uh, as I say, I, I played a charity game about 12 months ago. Lasted about uh, 45, 50 minutes, and then I pulled the uh, quad. I was like, ah, oh, definitely, uh, you know, time to give up. But you know, you love playing football, so uh, I'd, I'd play with one leg if I, you know, I could. Um, but uh, you now, really looking forward to this uh, game. I'm, I'm really pleased, and uh, that Dave invited me to play, um, and. Uh, I keep myself fit generally, but not football fit these days. So um, it'll be good to catch up with Dave and the rest of the players. Obviously, I've played with a couple of them, but uh, the other players have always been opposition, I guess. So, uh, but football's football, you know, whether you're a fan or a player, it's just a sociable uh, event as well, isn't it? So uh, you might be enemies on the pitch, but as soon as you come off the pitch, you know, you're all. Uh, socialise, have a drink and, uh, uh, you know, that's the, the beauty of the football, really. And it's the same with the fans. And Darren, you would have played at the old game, Meadow, on the old boggy pitch in the old uh, sort of dingy training rooms. Have you been to the, the new stadium we're at now and, you know, you're looking forward to having a bit of a nicer surface to get involved on? Um, yeah, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to, really, because <laughs> when, when I joined in uh, 2003, obviously there was always the talk about moving, uh, you know, ground, but, yeah. You know, the, the, I think the game there though holds a special place in all the you know the fans' hearts and players really, doesn't it? Um, you know, it, it was a unique kind of uh, place to play. Uh, great atmosphere, good crowd. You know, when I played there um, for Macclesfield uh, before I moved to Shrewsbury, um, and uh, you know when you when you actually go through uh, into the corridors and see the. Uh, photos of uh, the boat on the, you know, the middle of the pitch and, you know, how they had to uh, collect the balls from the river and stuff like that. Uh, Yeah, it's a great place. And I've only been to the new ground twice, but it'd be, uh, you know, the surface looked uh, a lot better. Uh, So, yeah, be nice to get out there and uh, kick a ball on there, to be fair. The, um, the change rooms will be a bit warmer as well, Tino. Oh, dear. They have heating in the new stadium. <laughs> <laughs> the the, 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 med, the game editors didn't even have, a, even have a radiator in there. We had, we had a radiator, but it was never turned on. Oh, dear. <laughs> Tell me about it, yeah. Yeah, it was a really old kind of dressing room, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I do miss that place, though. Oh, oh yeah. It, I mean, it's one of the, yeah. yeah. Any bad weather... I was with a lot of shooting fans at the weekend. And we were all saying how much we'd love to go back there in a heartbeat. It was, um, yeah, it was a real, real heart and soul stadium, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the atmosphere was great. Obviously, the location was right, wasn't it? You know, you you'd only have to walk out the ground, and you know, supporters would be everywhere. Um, you know, there's lots of pubs around uh, to socialise as well. Um, so, yeah, it, the the obviously the new ground was always in the pipeline, and you know they've done. Uh, great to to get that 
Um, and, you know, it had to be done, didn't it, really? Um, you know, the ground was getting old and before time, it'd probably be falling down, wouldn't it? <laughs> Tino, um, I was going to, I was telling the lads about anyone who wasn't at um, uh, in the Stiffs Live event, you told the story about you signing for Shrewsbury. Can you give oh, anyone yeah, who hasn't yeah. heard a bit of an insight of how, how that came about and how you signed and how Dave Cook managed to to get in contact with you? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, obviously, I had 12 months uh, left on my contract at uh, uh, Macclesfield. And uh, cut a long story short, uh, Shrewsbury had uh, made an inquiry and I was on holiday in, in Spain. In uh, I think it was, it was Marbella, Port of Venus, something like that. Anyway, the phone's going and it's uh, Dave Cook saying, um, you know, uh, We've just taken over at Shrewsbury and we really want to sign you. And, uh, you know, they're giving you all the talk. And so I'm, I'm listening. And um, he said, we're that interested. We'll even come over to uh, see you. And I, I was like, you know, I was with my girl, uh, an ex-girlfriend at the time. I said, they want to come over and meet us. Is that is that all right? And, you know, you're kind of thinking, this is a wind-up. So anyway... They agreed to come over the next day. And I, was, I thought, nah, they're not going to turn up. So we, we decided, we arranged to meet around the pool. Anyway, next minute, this Dave Cook and uh, Jimmy Quinn, I didn't really know him from Adam, turned up around the pool. And um, my girlfriend was topless. And Jimmy Quinn took her, you know, towards the, the sunbeds. And Cookie took me the other way to... Uh, to chat to me, really. He let, he, Jimmy Quinn left it to Cookie to have a chat with us. So anyway, we're chatting away. But they were always in Spain. They were in somewhere like uh, Ben Medina anyway on holiday. So they haven't travelled all the way to Spain to uh, kind of sign me. They, they, they were there anyway. It was just coincidence. But uh, yeah, it's a, a funny story to tell, really. I was I was at the in the stiffs when you told that and brought uh, the house down. But Dave Cook. He should have his own podcast, Dave. Oh, you know, you he should, he should, was like yeah. that all the time, wasn't he, Dave? You know, that oh, that was his role, really, you know, with uh, Jimmy Quinn. He he was kind of um, just as he was, an entertainer, really. Um, the lads didn't take him seriously or too seriously on the football pitch. You know, <laughs> he tried to, but, you know, it was hilarious <laughs> with some of the things that he used to come up with. Um but he was just that link between the players and the manager. Jimmy Quinn was obviously the serious one, uh, but you know any any issues or whatever players went to Dave Cook or Dave Cook went to the players, and you know that that was how, how they worked together really. Um, oh, there's lots of stories we could say, isn't it, about you know being on the bus and uh, Jimmy Quinn going mad at Dave's antics on the bus and things like that. But yeah, he, he's so good at things like that. Um, and, and you know, that's him all over. He went to the World Cup. Um, I think it was the, obviously after the, we won the league and, or got promoted, sorry. And I think Jimmy was away. So Dave uh, said, oh, I'll take some sessions. And uh, just we were on the pitch. And because he'd been to the World Cup, he was trying to put on these uh, session training sessions that he'd watched, obviously, during the World Cup. <laughs> we were in stitches. Honestly, the players just sometimes couldn't take him seriously. 
Um, Dave, have you got so of, of the players playing in, in the match that you've organised? Have you got many of, of Tino's old teammates turning up? Anybody you can link up with again, Tino? You thinking? Yeah, I think uh, the Scott isn't there. Um, Scott Harry, Ashy, uh, I played with. Uh, Calvin Langmead was there, and then I think the, um, oh Sam obviously Gav, Tolly, Tolly, yeah, Mossy Mossy playing isn't he? Yeah, most well. Hopefully, <laughs> he yeah. said he's he said he's playing, but he keeps moaning about his hip to me. But then, oh, really? to me, like, yeah. But every time he speaks to me, he's like, oh, no, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. So, but um, uh, yeah, and and as I say, the other players, I, I kind of they've, they've always been the opposition, really. So uh, yeah, there's quite there's uh, all the other lads I've kind of come across across anyway. Um, but yeah, yeah, really uh, looking forward to it. Um, I say just to catch up with everybody, and uh, e- even like as you say at the uh, podcast uh, in uh, thirty-seven the other week, it was it was great just to see the lads because you you do lose touch, uh, and it, you know you don't kind of um, mean to. It's just you know life goes different ways, doesn't it? Would would you miss most, Darren? Do you miss the the, the banter in the dressing room or or the playing of the football? Um, I oh, playing the football definitely, yeah. Um, it was torture when I kind of retired. Um, I think I spoke to a couple of the guys about it the other week. Um, you know, when you when your wife's taking you shopping at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, compared to you know being on the pitch, um, and you know, you, you it took it took probably two years to kind of really break the habit and you know you you can see these days why people you know i mean i wasn't in the position like dave was that um played football literally all all his you know life in that respect i i didn't come into the game till late so i'd worked you know i'd got that kind of uh, bit of life before football Whereas for Dave and, you know, a lot of other players, it, it, it's their kind of first job as such. Or, but, you know, when, when do you call football a job that, you, you know, you, you, you're getting paid for something that you, you enjoy doing and you've done from, you know, the year dot sort of thing? Um, it's just that, you know, we've, we've been fortunate to get paid for it. And, um, you know, you, you, you'd play for nothing, really, because... You know, you you enjoy football that much. It just becomes when you, a, a job, doesn't it? A career, but you never think of it that way. When you left Shrewsbury, Tino, what was the circumstances there? Was it you wanting to move on? Was it the club going a different way? Yeah, Were you disappointed no, that, that was, Shrewsbury? Yeah, I was a bit disappointed with that because um, obviously Gary Peters came in when you know we we we'd had a bad start to the season back in the football league, so Jimmy Quinn. Um, left Gary Peters came in and he had me in the office at the beginning and he said you know don't worry about your age uh, if you're playing and you're doing well you'll get a contract and I kind of played the majority of that season was captain and then you know when they have a kind of uh, uh, the end of season chat and summary and he kind of then used the, my age as the kind of reason but also if you remember Stu Whitehead was there as well so, um, you know, Stu was a great player and he just said, I'm, I'm choosing, 
uh, Stu Whitehead over you. Um, and, you know, you, you are bitterly disappointed, but, you know, as you know, Dave, football's football. You know, it's, uh, it's a cruel, cruel uh, ending in ways, you know, when you're not wanted by the club. I'd, I'd only had two years at Shrewsbury, but, you know, I loved that two years there. I would have loved to have stayed, but then I wouldn't have probably gone on and enjoyed the few years that I had at other clubs as well. So, um, the only, but what the other thing that I'm looking forward to, obviously, is that you're seeing fans and supporters that you really didn't get the opportunity to kind of see, um, you know, when I left because it was end end of the season. Um, you know, we didn't know what was going on, so. It'd be, it'd, be, it'd be nice just to go back and, uh, you know, see some old supporters um, as well. But, yeah, like I say, you, you, your experiences, um, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have um, you know, I had two, two years at uh, Burton Albion and they were two good years. You know, they were a, a new kind of new ground and everything like that. So, um, yeah, oh, it, it's kind of... What will be will be and fate, isn't it really? You probably passed the ball too much for uh, Gary Peters, did you, Darren? Yeah, uh, well, yeah. I'll, tell, I'll tell you a story, Mike. When uh, Dave will kind of remember this as a defender, and obviously going back to the how the pitch was, um, he, he said to us as defenders that if we tried to get the ball down and play rather than just kick it or head it. Then we wouldn't play. That, there that you was, go. yeah, that was, and you know that was circumstances. We we needed to get points. The pitch, the game meadow pitch, so he didn't want any chances in that respect. Um, but yeah, he, and and it's quite funny because when I've um, heard uh, Gav uh, talk about it as well, hasn't he, Dave? You know, he's yeah. said the same kind of thing that that yeah, if you if you tried to play the ball then you wouldn't be playing for him. But that was circumstances, I guess. Unless he, he didn't, um, think, <laughs> didn't think I could do it. <laughs> what, one, quick, one quick one. I remember when he first came in, he straight away banned the centre midfielders receiving off the defence. He said that yeah. pass cannot happen. And he, yeah. I remember he got Darren Moss on the, at the right-back position. And he said, if you pass into central midfield, that is the most dangerous pass in football. Everyone's kind of looking around. So we got banned it. First game, Mossy passed into Tolly, got cut out, <laughs> and they scored. <laughs> but um, imagine imagine Pep telling Kyle Walker that don't, oh, pass, no, don't, no, no. don't pass into De Bruyne. But obviously, like, <laughs> like, like Tino said, it was circumstance and it was, yeah, he, he was yeah. very much a percentage manager, wasn't he? Just mm. get it in behind, get it long. Yeah, yeah, and he changed a lot of the club. Um, you know, I didn't get really. The opportunity to work with him and I think he you know kind of developed a lot more didn't he Dave the following season and things but he was very analytical you know which we'd not kind of had the year before um, he had people you know um, in the stands watching you know say the defenders play the midfielders play and you'd come in on a Monday and it, you know you'd get all that kind of feedback I know now in the game you know that's literally routine stuff isn't it plus a lot more but, you know, for us at the time, it was something a bit different. So, um, you know, the analysis part, I was, I was, I was kind of um, impressed with, you know, because we'd, we'd not had that before. 
just thinking back to that conference season, um, can you can you remember what was the question from Tim on Twitter? Can you remember what was the like the worst away dressing room? Because we must have gone to some quite fantastic. Oh, the, honestly, Ollie, there was some bad bad places to visit, wasn't there? Like like Dave said about our changing rooms. Um, you know, there was uh, some horrendous places. We got. Do you remember when we got beat five um, 0 against Dagenham? Um, away the Dagenham debacle, it was yeah, named it was in the Shropshire January, wasn't it? Yeah, Dagenham's that, that, that's got to be one of the worst dressing rooms as well. Um, you kind of it's like a, a very small dressing room and you kind of walk out and then it's behind the stand and then through the stand onto the pitch. Um, but yeah, definitely that, and obviously losing 5 0 didn't help. I think we can. Are you, bl- are you blaming the result on the changing rooms? Is that what you're saying? Oh no, 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 later, no, yeah. no, no, no. It was one, one of the. It was like the Man United Liverpool game. It was one of those freak results. I think, I think they scored about three goals in about eight, eight or nine minutes uh, just before half time. It was everything we did just went wrong. But every, yeah, every cloud, Mike, has a silver lining because I made my full debut the next game when he made changes. That's it. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, a lot of the 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 the, the uh, change rooms were the old style still. Then you know they had uh, very small space with a big bath, and then a couple of showers. <laughs> they weren't pleasant. Good fun. So, um, Darren, do you, I mean, you said you've only been to the, the ground twice since you left, yeah. like the new ground. Do you, do you keep in touch with the scores of the town? Do you know anything about the current team or, or sort of the run they're on? Are you, are you in touch yeah, with I, at all? You know, I, I always look out for the uh, the results, obviously, of teams you've played for. Um, and um, I think it's just a bit of uh, consistency, isn't it, it's really? Um, you know, over the years, they've had some good success getting promotion. And, you know, I heard Dave just talking about it might be just a step too far this season. But, you know, considering probably what they've been through, you know, they're kind of up there, but is it just a step too far? Um, you know, I think, is it about 10 points outside the playoffs or something like that? Um, yeah. And there's, what, 11 games or so to go? Um, yeah. But you just need to have that consistency and looking at the, you know, kind of last result, last period of results it's kind of win one draw one lose one is it win one that kind of thing um where you need to have that momentum don't you go and you know uh to to be grinding out those results i don't know a lot about the team um there's only one player that i'm aware of and that's the center half um dunkley and the reason was that i i used to do the um physio um at the academy at crew and he was there as a young lad and, you know, I rated him when he was there. So uh, I've always kind of, you know, followed where he's been to and that, and he's, 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 he's a big, strong lad. And he was, you know, then I think he was about 13, 14 when I first uh, saw him at Crew. You obviously had a night because he's been excellent this season. He's been one of our standout performers. So he's a yeah. player, yeah. obviously. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's been brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he scored. He scored a volley from a corner, Darren, inside in, in, near the penalty spot. Really? Did you, did you ever do that as a centre half? Are you joking? <laughs> you're joking. I think I scored one goal for Shrewsbury, and that was against Norwich. <laughs> and that that was like a near post little flick. I, I don't know. Scoring wasn't my uh, my forte. 
I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, you know, as gifted as uh, the lads on the pitch, but you know, I, I could head the ball, I could tackle, I could organise and communicate, and that was my role really. You know, I, I, I like Dave said there. You know, if I got the ball, I'd just play a simple pass to someone like Dave or whoever was in front of me to do something better than I could. You know, there's nothing flair about me or anything like that. Technical. I kept it simple. You're saving it all for the charity game. That's like <laughs> the <feel> that. <laughs> yeah, we'll see nice. some pro nice. turns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't do your quad though. Oh no. And what, no. while we got you, I, th- I suppose I always ask, you got any good memories about a young Dave Edwards just breaking onto the scene in the Shrewsbury squad? You know, what was he like as a as a young pro? Was he cheating? Oh, was, was he, was yeah. he, was he low, talking low about stories about Dave? Obviously, you know, he was in the in, in, with the all the the young lads, which included uh, Joe Ross. They had they had a good group. And uh, Dave, uh, you know, he was uh, a local lad, you know, Shrewsbury through and through. So he, he was buzzing all the time. You know, he was there, you know, um, loved his football. I think, you know, even when training finished, he'd be there with Joe and, and the other lads I've just mentioned. And even outside of the football, I think he just carried a football with him. But, you know, Dave was one of those players that, you know, you could see he was going to go far. He had a good engine um, and good box-to-box. And the main, you know, he scored goals as well. Uh, So um, it was just a case of him breaking into the team, you know, especially with the expectation of um, that season of, you know, getting into the league. Um, He had Jamie Tolley in front of him, obviously, and... uh, Martin O'Connor. So Dave kind of just went about his business. And then when he got his opportunity, you know, he kind of took it really. And then I think um, didn't get that much of a chance in that first season, Dave, I think, was it? But then the second season got, you know, was always involved. And, um, you know, you could just see that he was going to go on and uh, have the career that he has done, really. Um, but yeah, you know, Dave was a uh, young lad, uh, had a few dodgy haircuts over the years, as we all have, um, <laughs> shaved his hair one day and uh, kind of sheepishly come out the tunnel or out the gym because the gym was by the tunnel and him and Joe and the other lads were in there all the time. Um, and obviously, you know, with the banter that the lads give him having this haircut, then another haircut was where he had it highlighted or streaked, whatever they call it these days. Uh, but Dave, you know, they had a bit of a good social life as well, didn't you, Dave? I think he was, you know, the, him and the boys, the local, were out and made the most of their uh, kind of popularity in town and things like that. Yeah, I'm sure Ollie and Mike could have seen us out on a few occasions. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'd always be dead excited. Look, Dave Edwards over there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on, on a Tuesday night. Uh, well, that was a few nights, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. What about you, Dave? Captain Fantastic, the local, you know, captain of your local club, your boy your club. What did you take from, from Tino when he was uh, at the town? You know, did you take any of his sort of leadership qualities or what was he like as, a, as an older pro to, to come up under life? Yeah, he, he was a class act. Um, I'm not saying that because he's here, but it, it can be difficult sometimes, a young lad coming into a group and especially back then, it was a lot of strong characters in the group who were sort of full of the banter and it's about fitting in and kind of, 
you don't want to go too unnoticed that they don't know you're there. So you need to make enough of an impression, but you can't be chirpy or because you'll get shot down. But Tino was very welcoming right from the start. I think he appreciated people who were going to work hard and be professional. I think the, the very first memory of him was pre-season where we, I don't know if Tino remember this, just outside the hut at the old training ground. We were doing like these... Um, these runs, it must be made back 200 meters but in a circle and it was really hot. And after the first run, Tino took his top off and he was, <laughs> it was like David Hasselhoff. It really was. I thought, <laughs> oh my God. I was like a 17 year old boy and Tino had muscles that I'd never seen before um, in unbelievable shape. But I think I, you kind of really took, I took from that. I know other lads did that, how you can look after yourself. Do you know what yeah. I mean? You're sort of getting later into your career and the longevity that gives you. And I think like Tino said, he, he was he was very good in in both boxes defensively very very good knew his strengths um but he made the most of everything he had and i think that's definitely something which which i took took from him is absolutely try and maximize your ability to to as much as you can and it will get you as far as you can and obviously just do that with hard work and you need a little bit of luck along the way of course but um he was a, he was a really good captain a good leader the lads looked up to him i think he was at times, probably the the sensible one who could keep it together, because as I said, there were some absolute characters in that group, and it needed someone like Tino to, at times, bring it all together and say, oh, "Come on, lads, let's concentrate now, or let's do this." And in game as well at half times and stuff like that, he was a proper leader. Yeah, I think uh, you know because the season was was successful, and we kind of. Uh... You know, you're, you're winning games more than, you know, losing games or whatever. So um, every, everybody enjoyed playing. The hard thing was just keeping everybody happy, really, wasn't it, Dave? As you say, because everybody wants to play. You can only play 11. Uh, every, all the lads, you know, that were involved in the squad and weren't involved in the squad were important, you know, throughout the season. And it was it, we did have a good... Uh, mix really um there was little groups but nothing that you know divided the team in any way um and and as i say really you know dave it was just a case of him biding his time getting his chance and then you know showing everybody we you know we we knew what he could do um because we saw it in training every day um but dave and well there was never any bother you know to kind of i didn't have to do a great deal and you know, with with him and the boys, the 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 hardest responsibility was when we went to Blooming Tenerife, and then Dave's parents and Joe's parents said to me, pulled me aside and said, "Look after him, Tino," and we're going to Tenerife, and I was like, "Oh my word, what what am I going to do here?" And we had a we had a ball, you know, for the the few days that we were there, and uh, it, it was it was it was a great experience. Uh, you know, to uh, finish the season off, really. But yeah, Dave, Dave's been a you know a model uh, professional all the way through. No, no bother for me anyway. What was the expectation that season when when you were chatting to Jimmy on the and and, and Cookie on the side of the pool? Was the expectation to to win the league that year? That was that. Oh was yeah, that, that, that was yeah. That it was all about um, kind of getting promotion, wasn't it? Really. Um, and I, I, I was kind of looking back and I, I was doing a bit of research when Dave spoke to us about um, the Theatre 7 and of the teams in the Football League, I think I read there was only three or four uh, teams that have got, you know, automatic promotion. 
So I don't think at the time we kind of realized how um, big a, you know, a kind of um, achievement it was. Um, you know, you, you can see that National League now is just kind of full of ex-league teams. And, you know, using Wrexham as the example, they've been in there, what, 10 years or so? Um, now, isn't it? Yeah, is it 11, yeah? So, you know, to actually get promotion, I know it was, <laughs> you know, through the playoffs, but you need that luck sometimes. Um, and it, it, it was a massive, massive achievement that I think we always believed in ourselves, but, you know, you're going up against teams that are kind of seasoned teams in that league as well. You know, that they've been in there a long time. You go into grounds um, that, you know, aren't up to the game meadow, that kind of thing. I think our home record was really good, but away, you know, it, that's where we kind of um, let ourselves down a bit. But We were always um, a scalp for teams as well, weren't we, Tino? Yeah. So yeah, everyone of course, wanted to beat yeah. Shrewsbury. Yeah, so that kind of raised yeah. their games. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, you always get that, don't you? But, yeah, I think from the word go and, you know, the chairman um, – it, it was a priority for him, you know, with the with the board as well. And uh, thankfully, you know, we achieved it. It's crazy looking at that league table. In preparation of this pod, I was looking at the league table. You know that including Shrewsbury, there were six teams now in League One who were in the really? conference that season? Yeah. Yeah, Forest Green, Morecambe, Burton, Exeter, Shrewsbury. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's crazy to think. It was a tough division, but yeah, it's interesting to see how yeah, we I remember going to that. I think that National League is got to be, you know, one of the toughest leagues to probably to get out of, um, just for the fact of, you know, the quality of ex-league clubs that are in there all trying to get back in. Um, you know, there's there's not a lot of differences, I don't think, in the in the standard you see, and the teams that have got promoted recently have always done quite well, and as you say, have even gone on to get promoted again, haven't they? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I just remember to bounce up like we did massive for the club. I think it was a huge, you know, it, it was a bit of a sliding doors moment. If we hadn't gone up that season, how would have struggled again the, the following season in the conference? And you might you might have ended up with that ten year stint down there. So it's it's a, it it was a huge relief for 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 the fans that we came up that season. I think you know that team yeah. holds a, a, yeah. an important part in the in the hearts of the club. I think yeah. Yeah, I mean the the fans were amazing. You know. Um, home and away really you know I can't remember what our average attendance was but it was big and um, I, I kind of always remember you know when we played um, even in pre-season against um, the rivals Telford you know kind of you, you win in that Shropshire Cup that just got the fans and the supporters behind us we had a really good pre-season and then we played Derby, I think, was that the last game of the pre-season? And we beat them 5-0. So going into the first game of the season, it was it was a great crowd. And that carried on all the way through. Um, so, you know, the, the supporters and the fans, you know, made it, uh, you, you know, it's that old cliche, isn't it? The 12th man sort of thing, really. I can, remember going, I can remember going away to Lee in that season and we had three wow. sides of the ground and they had one sort of little corner for yeah. their fans had given us the home ends. It was, uh, yeah, yeah, we travelled, because we had a lot of grounds that nobody had been to really, so we travelled well with the team. It was, it, was a, it was a good season. Yeah. I, we went to most of the games. That and, season, and, yeah. and as you say, those, those, those clubs loved probably us going there because they knew they were going to be, you know, financially 
um, making a good profit with the numbers of the fans and supporters that we were taking. Yeah. Any, have you got any standout moments from that season, Tino, that are kind of your best memories? I know the final at Stoke would have been special with yeah, all those shoes. Um, the trophy, I think, but... um, the, 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 the most enjoyable game was when we beat uh, Hereford 4-1 at home. That was a, that you know, because that they're another kind of rival team. And I think that day we played really well. Everything just clicked for us. And there was some good goals. So that game always stands out. Um but then the Barnet game, of, which was the second leg of the semi-final, that was a huge game, wasn't it? Really, um, you know. Again, it was we, we, the support we had that day was was massive, and um, even though we were two-one down after the first leg, you know, I, I don't think we ever doubted that we were going to kind of go through. But you know, we left it late and. It was kind of penalties again. Um, but, uh, yeah, I always remember the fans, you know, running onto the pitch at the end of the game. Um, that, 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 that was huge. We went in, the change, went in the dressing room and then came back out. They were all still out there. And then even, like you say, the, the final was, was a massive, massive um, memory. But also, the, do you remember, Dave, when we went... Um, on the bus when we did the uh, that uh, this, from the civic hall that the amount of fans that turned out for that that was incredible that was uh, you know the streets were lined weren't they with fans and supporters when we went round on the bus and things that that was you know kind of special as well did you have a big night out that night or did it carry um, on for a few days I, yeah the well the the actual final was a bit of a, an anticlimax because we didn't have anything planned you know i think all the lads local um you went back to the ground and that you went out there didn't you i think dave and then because yeah. i was living in nantwich some of the like lads that way we we just came back um into nantwich um there was a you know half a dozen of us doing that so we never really celebrated it straight after the game i don't think but um yeah, we, we went to the um, we went to the Craning Cola. We got after the semi final and the final. Oh so yeah, that, bus, I remember after the, the semi final. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. So we went to the because we had such a good time after the semi final. We that went there in the final as well. So yeah, it was good. And I think I ended up yeah. in Diva or Liquid. I'm sure <laughs> later on in that evening as well. Um, well, you know, we're talking about that massive game there. Um, I think we're probably probably worth bringing it back to the massive game coming up at the end of the season, Dave. The uh, your your charity game again, where we'll see Tino again. Um, how are the team shaping up? You haven't got too many pacey wolf strikers for Tino to worry about on the day, have you? Are you you got many more to announce, or are the squad sort of there? How's that looking? Yeah, we've got um, we've got three or four on both teams still to announce, which will be announced tomorrow, and then that'll be the squads announced. Barring any late sur- late surprises, which might happen, I've got a few people who are kind of still waiting to commit, but might be a bit doubtful. So, um, yeah, we should know the whole squads by tomorrow in terms of who Tino's up against. I wouldn't say you've got no real pacey ones, but you're going to have a physical battle, I think, with a few of them. Um, there's a couple of strikers getting announced tomorrow, but I think one that's been announced is Chris Iwalumu. I don't know if you played against Big Chris. Oh, yeah. He's, um, oh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, you might have, might have caught a few elbows off him in the past. Definitely, <laughs> yes, I have indeed. Yeah, well, I just, so, yeah. do you know what? 
Dave, you know what I'm like. I'd rather have a bit of a battle against somebody rather than playing somebody like uh, Luke Rogers, who just literally terrorizes yeah. you with pace and never gives you a moment. At least with a you know a, a, a bigger uh, opponent, you you do have a bit more of a battle. So, yeah. well, I might yeah. I might try and get Matt, Matt, Matt Jarvis switched up front. Then he's the oh, no. speed merchant <laughs> in the team. <laughs> Don't do that, Dave. You get him running <laughs> off your shoulder. That's another quad gone. That in it, yeah. <laughs> Um, Just put him, and, him on um, Gav Cowan's side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who, who, who do you think your money's on then, Dave? Who, who's your smart money on? You, you, uh, are either the squad sort of shaping up better or uh, do you think it's just going to be um, a nice, nice friendly game, is it? Well, I hope it's a nice friendly game. Um, but I think when I've been speaking to a few of the Shrewsbury lads and that in the Stiffs event, when I was speaking to a few of them as well, they're all a little bit concerned that the Wolves team is mainly made up of the time when I was at Wolves in the Championship and the Premier League. So straight away, they're kind of they're, they're top footballers. And then also they're probably five to 10 years or say five years or so younger, all of them. That's so, a big advantage, <laughs> the age is more than the, the ability probably. I think so. So the, I'd say the average age of the Wolves team is somewhere probably around my age, maybe a little bit between 35 and 40, I'd say it is. Whereas the Shrewsbury team is over 40. Well, that's it. Well, I, I, must, I must be the granddad. <laughs> You'll be right. So, yeah. And just, I suppose, do you want to just give everybody the, the, the details of how they can get tickets and what the date is and just give them all the details of how they can get involved with the day as well, Dave, just while we're here? Yeah, there's plenty of ways you can, you can, you'll find links and things for the tickets. If you look on any of my social medias, then you, you'll find it there. But if you're a Shrewsbury fan who's used to either getting them at the ticket office, you can buy them there. So you've got a couple of home games left before the game. So um, feel free to buy your tickets there or obviously online as well. So just go to the ticket section and home games and it's listed there underneath the ones coming up as well. So I'm hoping to to make it there for the um it's the Bristol Rovers game the, the day before, I think. So I'll be out there and I'll be selling tickets out there. So if you can see me on that day, I'm trying to get get them get them gone as much as we can. Because it'd be it'd be amazing to get a, a big crowd there. Obviously to raise money, but I think for the likes of Tino and the people who are playing, I think it, the quality of teams we've got and what they've done for the football clubs, it almost deserves a decent crowd as well. Um, and everyone will have a good time. It will be a real fun day. There's loads going on before the game and around it. Stuff we're doing, showcasing what we do with the charity. There's kids' tournaments going on. The the bars, the fan zones will be open, things like that. So, yeah, it, it'll be a great day. So, all you Salop fans, try and come out in your numbers and, and try and support. I know there's a game the day before, but 10 or a ticket. Um, yeah, so if you, if you can afford it, then it'd be amazing to see you all. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. So yeah, if you can come along, it's great. Yeah, great. It's a great um, piece of work you're doing there, Dave, in terms of bringing this together. And yeah, some some good names as well. There's a if you there's a couple of interesting names on the on the wolf side as well. Um, with Sam Ricketts turning up as well, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, um, might yeah, be a reaction one. he gets. Yeah, he wants to see reaction he gets. He's a lovely bloke, but um, yeah, interesting in session time as a Shrewsbury Town manager. But yeah, it'd be be really great to. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure the Shrewsbury fans will give um, with Tino and the former players a great. Um, welcome and it'd be probably nice as well for the former players Darren as well to kind of say hello to the Shrewsbury Town fans and yeah kind of have that kind of special moment again going on the pitch yeah definitely as I say um, you know we, we kind of uh, you finish the season you know your last home game and you always get a, a, a good send off but you know um, not knowing it was probably my last game there altogether you know um, you just feel a little bit uh, aggrieved that you didn't say bye to the fans properly really so yeah it'd be nice it'd be nice to uh, 
kind of uh, get that opportunity. Brilliant. Thanks very much for coming on the podcast. I really, really appreciate your yeah, support. Tim, I really appreciate you supporting and Dave as well and the charity. And um, yeah. yeah, thanks for joining us, Dave, as well. Um, it's been great to get your insight um, on, on the on the team and um, and the management and how's True to Town and getting on the season as well. So, yeah, thanks for joining. Thanks for joining me, Mike, as well. Um, it's been yeah, a good podcast. Thanks, Ollie, getting me involved. What a thrill talking to two Shrewsbury legends. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Loved it. Thanks yeah. for inviting me and I'll see you in a few weeks. Cheers, guys. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. Um, Yeah, see you soon. Bye.